Welcome to the Contractor Commute, a podcast by Congenius designed to fit right in your daily drive. Whether you're a small business owner, an employee, or off contracting on your own, we've got advice, stories, and leadership tips to help you out along the way. All right, welcome to this episode of the Contractor Commute. Uh, my name is Drew. We're here with Ben, and we are today going to talk about four key traits of a successful contractor. As we were getting ready for this, it was hard to uh, narrow down to four, and then you're like, yeah. well, there's a lot more than four if you're going to be good at this thing. So uh, disclaimer, this list is not uh, conclusive or exhaustive. There's a lot of things, but uh, we are going to talk about four things that are key, in our opinion, to to run in the successful contractor. Yeah, business. somebody's going to interrupt us and say, those fools, and you have a lot to learn. <laughs> That's <laughs> only four? Yeah. <laughs> Only four things. How easy could it be? Yeah. So uh, we're we are going to talk key in on four things though uh, in today's episode. So uh, let's get right to it. So uh, number one, we've got set up uh, or one. The first one that we're going to talk about is communication. Uh, Broad subject, but uh, if you're going to run a a key or if you're going to if you're going to run a contracting business, your ability to communicate very very critical. Uh, A lot of times people have negative stories about a contractor experience. It normally comes down to this. It was communication and that's a broad bucket. So let's take some time and uh, break down why is communication a key trait for a contractor? We've talked about this before on the podcast, expectations. I think we had a whole episode on just expectations, like managing expectations. And I've come to realize in my experience, being a contractor, that's defining expectations, so critical and really, that's kind of the cornerstone of communication, I think, particularly client-facing communication. And we can dive in today in a few other aspects of communication. It's not just about your clients. Right. But we want to be able to also communicate to negative things. Right. And I, it came in later in my con- contracting experience and started realizing people actually admire and appreciate when we speak to negative aspects of what we – Right. Of, of the process or yeah. our – what we have going on in our business. Like I'm about to trash your house for six weeks and yeah. it's going to be terrible. <laughs> yeah. 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 So preparing somebody for the, that moment of truth when it's like, wow, this really does suck. Yeah. And uh, so we talk about things and the beginning of the process, like, you know, smells, dust, dirt, yeah. uh, how long the process will be. I mean, mm-hmm. if there's variables in that process where we might not be there for two weeks because we're waiting for granite, to be fabricated and everything else had to be done as far as cabinetry is concerned as an example scenario. Mm-hmm. So and sometimes like in that example, it's not ideal. Yeah. And there's no way around it. Yeah. And people could underestimate how inconvenient it is to not have a bathroom or not have a functioning kitchen, you know, and it's like, Hey, all they see is the end product, but they may not. And they're like, it's going to be awesome when it's done. Yeah. But the reality of living without that and having people working in your house, the dust, even those things to you, it's normal. Like, this is just what it is, you know, but most people who are doing a remodel in a home um, have never done that before. And yeah. so they're, they might have the sun, sunshine, lollipops and rainbows version of how this is going to go. Yeah. Um, so the guest setting the expectation on uh, what the process is going to look like. Uh, what are some things that people are surprised by or don't expect that you've run into? Yeah. <laughs> Um, so sometimes it really just cause, comes down to, uh, some of the timelines. I think people look at us as professionals when we're contracting and as you know, we're supposed to have our act together and supposed to be able to manage things really, really well. And that's not always easy to do. Uh, in fact, rarely easy to do, particularly when you have six, seven jobs going on at the same time. Um, and planning for contingencies. And we're going to talk a little bit later about unexpected situations, mm-hmm. but you know, somebody's sick, COVID, remember we had all yeah. that stuff going on and 
yeah. didn't know what was happening. Yeah. You got people that are not okay with working anymore or regulations that prevent them from working in people's mm-hmm. homes. You lose, you know, uh, vendor uh, timelines were impacted by that significantly. Yeah. So there's a lot of things outside of our control and letting the clients know what things are. Yeah. Like, here's the things that I manage directly. Mm-hmm. I have the, for example, in my case, we did all of the carpentry work in-house. So be able to communicate to our clients, this is what we do. This is what my team does. We subcontract or these, uh, we subcontract out these elements of the project. And, uh, and this is kind of what this usually looks like yeah. without really getting into yeah, on November 1st at, you know, yeah. <laughs> 8am sharp, right? <laughs> we will yeah. have a crew of 12, you know, people or yeah. whatever showing up in your job or two. I mean, depending on how sizable your business is, but right. really backing away from some of those things and saying, okay, here's what I've got going on now. Mm-hmm leaving some some room in there, some margin and kind of going from yeah. there. So I, I think those are things easy things to miss, right? Yeah. From both the client and from a builder. Well, I think when you create clarity for people, whether, you know, for a client or, you know, a team or wherever, clarity creates security, yes. right? When there's clarity, I know then what to do, what to expect, how to work around that. And I think anytime you can provide clarity to your team or your client, um, it creates security and stability because people know what to expect. When they know what to expect, they you know there's comfort yeah. there. Yeah. But there's a lot of ambiguity in this business. There's a lot of things where you just simply can't provide clarity because you don't know exactly how long something might take. And so to be upfront and transparent, be like, hey, I can tell you that one, two, three are a fact. These things aren't changing. But uh, four, five, and six, here's all the curveballs that could happen. Yeah. One of the things that you can provide clarity though is, hey, as those things happen, I will communicate. Yes. Right. And I think that's one of those things where you know, even when you're saying, I can't necessarily predict how this is going to go, what I can provide security and clarity in is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be available. I'll answer phones, even, even clarity on communication. Like what is a realistic timeline of when you're going to reply to an email or a text message? Most customers think you're their only customer, you know, you know? Um, so why wouldn't you drop everything and respond to my text message within the minute? And it's Um, important to them. Yeah. Yeah. And, And when you're bringing that up, I'm thinking choice also brings security when people feel as though before, they're in a situation where there aren't any choices. The house is ripped up. The kitchen's gone. The bathroom's gone. You don't have choices at that moment yeah. or limited choices to, to change something. Mm-hmm. You know, trying to find somebody else to kick your butt off the job and get you know yeah. somebody else. It's difficult to do. So I think that I think that's one of the reasons why we talk about this upfront, making sure all that stuff's nailed down. Yeah. Yeah. Just expectations in general, right? Like, yeah. you know, most uh where most people get upset um, in any relationship, but, uh, in this one particularly is when expectations aren't met. So, but a lot of times expectations aren't met because they were never set to begin with. Right. Exactly and so right. when I get offended or upset with you, uh, it's because is every time, yeah. no, it is not. <laughs> no, <Ben. laughs> perfect in every way. Yeah. Um, no, but like, it's when it's going to be, cause you did something I didn't expect you right. to do. Or you didn't do something that I did expect you to do. Right. And when expectations are missed, so true. that's when offense enters the chat. Like when offense comes in or ups- when the customer's upset, yeah. every time it's because you didn't meet an expectation uh, one way or the other. Yeah. And so communication is what solves a lot of those things. Uh, it's, hey, did we set clear expectations to begin with, setting the ground rules so that we know what to expect. So when those things happen, you know, it's like there's less offense and less anger, from mm-hmm. upsetness from the customer. Uh, because it's like, hey, I, I I knew what to expect, and that's in line with what I expected. Even if it's, well, to your point, a negative expectation. Yeah. Let's talk about perspectives. Yeah. So in the context of 
expectations, you have a you have a perspective. If you're if I'm the builder and I'm remodeling your kitchen, you're the customer, you have an expectation and you have a perspective of how things should be based on, okay, this is what my world looks like. You have yeah. this perspective. I need my job done. You do whatever you need to do. Yeah. Get it done. I have my perspective. I want to be able to work with somebody that's fair and understanding and gracious <laughs> and, you know, pays on time, pay, you know, <laughs> all these good things. Um, and so in the context of communication, these perspectives really matter and the venue for communicating matters. Mm-hmm. Um, I've had multiple times when I've got a text message that sounds savage. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Where are you? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And the, and the tendency is to be defensive and reply in kind or uh, start writing out the nasty, uh, maybe not even nasty, but very uh, to the point kind of reply that sounds like, uh, you know, hey, uh, we're working seven different jobs right now. Everybody's got things going on. We really need it. You know, we appreciate, you know, your, I don't know, being given yeah. some cut of the slack. <laughs> yeah, right. A phone call sometimes is, or a site visit sometimes mm-hmm. is the best way to really deflate a, a really charged situation. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I've, I've actually made a habit in, in business just in general. If there's a negative situation, I'm not going to try to deal with it. Unless it's a le- legal situation where – and even then, I'm gonna, it's going to start with a phone call. Right. It's going to start with an in-person meeting. Right. We're going to sit down, look each other in the eye. Yep. And if you're still just as mad as you were when it sounded like over the text <laughs> message, right. then we figure it out. Right. But we try to diffuse the situation. And it's such a great – because vocal inflection, mm-hmm. uh, emotions, yep. what – you know, I mean, I've said things before and somebody's like, man, he sounded mad. And I'm like, I just – yeah. I didn't mean it that way. Right. And yeah. I think clients have had you – know, I picked up on something that wasn't there. Yeah. Yeah. Subcontractor. I remember, you know, expressing something to a subcontractor and he had just – I said, okay, let's talk. Yeah. You know, and the phone call was amicable. It was friendly. We were friends at the mm-hmm. end of the conversation yep. where it wouldn't have been that way if we were trying to solve something yeah, text by text me. message. Yeah. I think we've all been there, right? Where it's like you start assuming in your head, voice, tone, inflection, yep. what do they mean by that? You know, and yeah, phone call sa- saves a lot of, yeah. a lot of heartache. This is back to the stories, right? I mean, we explain the inexplicable with stories and yep. they're not always true. Yeah. Every thought going through our mind isn't necessarily true. Right. Yeah. It's a story, right? And you right. got to ask, yeah, interrogate, yeah, interrogate the, story. the story. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think it's, that's wisdom. There's a lot in that. Like, when do you go to text message email? When do you pick up the phone and yep. call somebody? And something's written communication. I'm not advocating we drop that. Like, sometimes, hey, this is a selection. Do you want this yeah. tile or that tile? You want that in writing. Absolutely. You know? <laughs> yep. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Hey, yeah. You said, you know, I mean, yeah, right. you want a document. And sometimes after that conversation, we sort things out and we recap. Right. Email, hey, great chatting with you today. Thanks for your, un, you know, being understanding, whatever the situation is right. there, and and then recap it. Yeah. And I think that's in writing too. It's like, you know, check the receipts sometimes. You got to go back and say, hey, what was said? And to yeah. make sure that what I said is what you heard. Yeah. Um, because sometimes we've all been there too, right? Where it's like, hey, I said something. That's not what you heard. Yeah. You know, um, and making sure that, you know, especially with certain customers where it's like, hey, I got to put this on paper or mm-hmm. subs. Hey, just to be clear, you know, to recap, you're going to do who's doing what by when. So when I forget or you forget or we start to say, wait, what did they say? We can go back. No, here's here's what we actually so true on. Yeah. So. And I've had moments where this hadn't been the ideal scenario where I think there's an there's an element of us that likes to almost engage with that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. You got a problem? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like We've been right. working our butts off 24-7 for two months and, mm-hmm. you know, some gratitude. Yeah. Yeah, there's an element that kind of feels that way. Well, I think you – 
human nature is tendency when you sense conflict, you sense tension, it's a fight or flight mechanism. Yeah, and I'm either going to puff up my chest, be like, well, let me tell you, like, well, I got some feedback for you, you know, right. <laughs> or just being like, we leave. Yeah. yeah or you it. duck your else. head and ignore it, you know, and that's never healthy either. Hmm. You know, the tendency that's, you know, what we do when there's a sense of, you know, yep. we start to get tension conflict. It's like most of us will fight or flight, which is not normally a productive thing to do instead of doing what you said, which is, you know, deflate it. Talking about responsiveness and, um, even you talk about communication, but on how often do you get back to customers? Do you give them a, a reasonable time of when to expect a response? Because some people, you know, for me, if you text me, I'm not going to necessarily like text yeah, you right back. Right. Um, but for some people, that's the expectation or yeah. when am I going to answer my phone? I mean, how do you manage that? So a couple couple different things come into play there. One of them being some customers are way taking way more of your time than other people. I remember I had a lady who shall remain unnamed. But she, I mean, 9 p.m. on a Sunday, she'd be sending a message that sounded like you know, the world's something ending. Would, yeah, needed to be addressed that moment. Um, so there's those moments. And mm -hmm. I think you need boundaries. So if, people, if you're not responding to messages and phone calls on the weekend, you set that expectation back up front. Yeah. Like if it's urgent, you know, I'll look at it. Yeah. Um, or here's the work number or something like that. And I even know some guys that have split their numbers off mm -hmm. so they can get some space. Yeah. Business, cell phone, personal cell phone. Yeah. It's a good idea. Yeah. I never did it. I should, should have probably. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but, you know, it was for me, it was just the convenience of one phone to tote. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, setting some some boundaries there. But I think the quick touch point is is really what I've learned that helped me the most was because I'm terrible about responding to text messages because somebody will send me a text message that's a mile long and you're like, oh, I got to unpack that entire thing. Right. And so but I you just opened it. You read it. Right. You didn't respond to it. Right. You forgot you read it. Yeah. <laughs> I'm, I've never done that. I've just heard about <laughs> yeah, guys who do that all yeah. the time. Some guys. I'll text them back later. Yeah. yeah and, and, of... and it goes in our head of being like, so there's two strategies that I've used at, at moments. One of them being I'd spend about half an hour at some point during the day as part of a routine. Like it's first thing in the morning, go through and look through my text. I mean, go through the text messages, look through everything and make sure that I replied to everybody. everybody. Yeah, I still, I do that today. I yeah. mean, because I will I will ignore somebody. Mm -hmm. Two weeks later, I'll be like, oh shoot, I forgot. To uh, yeah, <laughs> yeah. I've never done that. I don't know what you're talking yeah. about. The other strategy would be to do a, the quick touch point, like we're talking about, like just hit them back saying, "Hey, got your message. Uh, let's talk about this at our next site visit Friday yeah. or next week." Um, and don't overpromise anything there. Mm -hmm. Don't say I'm going to reply later because if you know you won't. Um, and then you, you really reference back to a format that you know works. Hey, I'll be out there later today. Let's talk about this. Yeah. Or how about tonight, uh, next week? And if it's something urgent, you're like, hey, uh, call me, put the burden back on them at this time. Right. So Because they will. Yeah. 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 <laughs> uh, and if they didn't, they'd be like, oh, yeah, I was waiting for your call. Yeah. As opposed to I'm going to do all the follow-up. Because mm -hmm. I got to the point one time where I remember doing uh, going out to a project and being like, why am I late? And why is, is everything just so many expectations from my team and from mm -hmm. clients and just it was impossible to fill all the expectations. I have to start setting these expectations better and really giving some space between commitments. Yeah. And it's a tough lesson. Yeah. Anyway, 
It is. We're, we're going long on the communication, yeah. one, but I think this is a critical yeah. aspect of running a successful business. Yeah. The next point is be concise in your communication. <laughs> Get to the point. Man. <laughs> yeah. Exactly right. All right. Yeah. So yeah, let's keep moving. So number one is communication. We're going to get four key traits. Uh, number two is set up an organization. This is again, very practical, uh, hands-on. We're talking about uh, on the actual site, the job site, how do you set up and organize a job site? So um, again, uh, this can be something that generates more work for you. If it's not done well, yeah. it can generate customers customer uh, complaints or issues if not done well, um, it can be over oversight. So talk to me about what do you, what do you think is important about site setup and organization? This works universally depending, that's a really doesn't matter if you're a one man show or if you have a team of 50 people, this is an aspect of a successful business that really just communicates a level of professionalism a level of care and, a, and really involvement in a project that few things do communicate mm-hmm. like that. Um, it's an unstated, or not you know, it's not a uh, overt statement, but people look at it. Wow, the tools are organized, the equipment's all you know where it needs to be. The lumber's or building materials are order organized in a you know the you know they're not they're rotting in the driveway. They're covered with a tarp and things are in a nice symmetrical kind of order. And, uh, at the end of the day, and so the problem for me was I like order. Mm-hmm. I learned that the hard way grew up around a dad who liked order and, you know, when you pick something up, you put it away. And so that's not natural for yeah human beings to just, you know, well, some of us are not, <laughs> <laughs> some of us are not as organized as others. I love order now. And I think I did at the time as well, but it's hard to really know how to maintain that order. Yeah. Um, And, and I think that's one of the, one of the struggles is when you have a team and you have to get everybody else bought into this idea of order Yeah. because I'd go out to a job site and it just looked like a freaking disaster. Yeah. Uh, You know, you could, you could follow my team around the house and see what they did based on what was left behind. Yeah. There's a guy that did this and there, you know, the, the tools are still there and you know, there's junk around that. So putting some margin in some, some time dedicated, like 15 minutes at the end of the day, you expect your team to clean up. Yeah. Um, trash goes here, et cetera. Um, you know, how you set up the job at the beginning. I think we, you touched on that too, is it really does start with that as well. The dust barriers, the floor protection, mm-hmm. the drop claws, the, you know, the Ram board, et cetera, just really keeping it a, a tidy site. I think, you know, my definition of, it. yeah, my definition of clean is probably not your definition yeah. of clean. And so, but as the owner operator, the person who sold the job, yeah. it's got to be your standard of clean is what yeah. the customer experiences. Yeah. And, you know, we've seen, we've had contractors in the office here where their main selling point, you go to their website is we are clean. Yeah. And that's their competitive advantage. They're doing high dollar jobs in high end homes with higher profit margins with people who are less concerned about what it costs because they have the budget to pay what you want to charge. Um, And you go to their website and that's one of their main selling points is we have high pricing up front, but here's how clean Mm -hmm. and what to expect. Because there's a cost involved. Yeah. Absolutely. You're paying for it. Yeah. Yeah. And I think it's the thing is like, you know, understanding that there is a level of expectation that a high-end client's going to have mm-hmm. and uh you know word of mouth referrals rich people ha- rich people hang out with rich people you know <laughs> and like right. if that's a high-end job you want to be doing like you know um they do care about the empty monster can that was left in the front yard you know <laughs> yeah <laughs> that does matter so we all i've i've my well, let's see here i mean i've come to expect certain standards of cleanliness from my 
team and subcontractors, et cetera. And so when you go out to a job site, the tendency is just to be like, oh my, way, these fools look at I me, mean, this thing is a wreck. I mean, who, who did that? Um, in order to maintain it, you've got to get your management team bought into it. If you have a bigger company as well, whoever's doing that, if your PM, your super, whoever's going out to that job is really making sure to hold that line for you. Yeah. And to your point of what is clean, that goes back to the communication aspect of saying broom clean. This is, you know, this is what clean means to us. We're not going out there vacuuming. We're not sucking all the dust out of your house exactly. every day. Yeah. Uh, and, and make sure, cause you know, cleanly, you know, we're going to keep a clean job site to that cu- customer that vacuums their house every single day. Yeah. Rakes their carpet. <laughs> yeah, yeah, right. Everything is perfect. Uh, they would be disappointed with broom clean. Mm-hmm. And then you got somebody else that's broom clean is amazing. Right. So, yeah, defining yeah, that. Can you broom clean, clean yeah, the rest right. of my house? <laughs> I've also I found that one of the things that really shows care is the way you treat your tools and where things are placed on the job site where, you know, if you're using a wrench, you put it back in the tool bag or just putting stuff in nice, you know, just like the off to the side in a room as opposed to right in the middle of a walkway, you know, stacking the ladders in a certain spot or, you know, that really shows to people, even if it's not perfectly clean, the big junk is picked up. So, I mean, there are some hacks here. There are some shortcuts. It's not like it has to be a two hour cleanup every day. Right. It can be a nice quick, you know, quick hit. Yeah. Um, I think too, like just from a a safety standpoint. Oh, absolutely. uh, Yeah. There's, you know, you mitigate some injury and risk there too, by how you, how you organize things. Yeah. When I was growing up, my dad would shut job sites down if it was messy. All right. Everybody stop what they're doing. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's clean this place up. Yeah. His touch point, uh, which annoyed the heck out of me, was, uh, which was a great one, but it's still at the time. We, you know, if somebody couldn't find something, he'd be like, all right, everybody stop. We're going to clean the place up. <laughs> right. We're yeah. not going to go look for something. Yeah. Because that's an indication things aren't clean. Yeah. That's yeah. fair. Anyway. Yeah. But anyway, it's annoying to some of your junior team at the time, you know, yeah. like, oh, great. It also gives go. me insight into your childhood. And I'm assuming, <laughs> I'm assuming your home was the same way, right? Yeah. Or was your house a total wreck? No, my mom yeah. liked to, my yeah. mom liked to clean the house. Yeah. Mom, if you're listening. You know, yeah. <laughs> Mama yeah. Walsh. Yeah. <laughs> I, yeah. Yeah. No. Yeah. She, she couldn't stand mess. Yeah. So cool. Um, all right. So we talked about uh, communication. We talked about setup and organization. Let's get into point number three, which is a reliable team. Oh, wow. um, so if you're going to be, <laughs> if you're going to be uh, successful in this business, having a reliable team, whether that's people that work for you, your subs, um, but we're talking about the importance of a reliable team and how do you get to the point where they are reliable. Say goodbye to the hassle of estimating for your construction projects with Congenius. Our intuitive platform makes creating highly accurate and detailed estimates a breeze. And with cloud-based access and automatic calculations, you can focus on what really matters, building your business. Visit Congenius.com to learn more. Congenius. Build like no one else. Yeah, that's a big topic. It's a big theme and it's one that we find challenging. Um, I think particularly going from where I started with just me to the first person to the second, it's it's a scaling up that really is painful. Mm-hmm. I have motivation. I have good reason to keep my job site clean because it reflects on me. It reflects back on the business. If I hire somebody else doesn't reflect on them mm-hmm. necessarily, or they don't necessarily know what that means to the business. Right. So there's a lot of training involved potentially. And um, the hiring process, 
so critical in all of that, defining the expectations for your team up front, what that means. Hey, this is going to, this is going to be the, t- the hard part of this job. We expect these standards to be maintained. And in construction, more so than any other industry that I've hired for, um, there's sort of a yeah, yeah, yeah kind of mentality when you're hiring. Yeah. Sure. Uh, can you uh, hang drywall? Yep, absolutely. Can you uh, do electric? Yeah, I can do electrical, plumbing, HVAC, uh, tile, hardwood. Kind of this universal jack of all trades kind of a, a mentality. And you'll find that even with some of the standards and you realize this guy doesn't know nothing about, I mean, he, oh, sorry, double negative. Double negative. <laughs> he doesn't know nothing about grammar. <laughs> uh, yeah. He doesn't know anything about this particular <laughs> thing to the standards you want. Yeah. And so sometimes that comes along where, where I've had my best success was when I could actually get to know somebody in the context of work and be like, yeah. listen, I'm going to pay you. This is a trial period, three days. We're going to work together. Yeah. If you have the luxury of doing that as my team grew beyond my ability to be involved, that's when it got hairy because mm-hmm. I'm thinking if I, if I could only be there yeah. <laughs> to help yeah. this guy. Right. And then you got to hire better. You got to yeah. find people that can come out of the, you know, out yeah. of the gate, ready to do what you need to do. Yeah. But if you're ever going to scale, you've got to get to a point where you're not the guy who's got to do everything. Yeah. Um, and that comes down to your, some of your hiring choices and yep. your firing choices. Yes. There's no pride in, in keeping people that aren't cutting it. Right. Um, and one of the best lessons I learned was if somebody doesn't have the core skills and character demonstrated in the first couple of days, they never will. Yeah. It's the strangest thing. I've never had situation where somebody showed profound lack of proficiency where it was a good value proposition for me to put enough effort into them to get them to the point. They didn't value it. Right. I put way too much into that. And at the end of the day, they didn't really see what that would do for them. It's tough. Right. It's tough. Yeah. Yeah. Well, it's, a, if it's they don't tough have for them. An, yeah. They don't have an inherent alignment on, you know, values, right. Then they're never going to meet this point of being a reliable team because yeah. what they'll need to be is managed. Right. Day in, day out, they're going to be told, here's what you do today. Here's what needs to be done by this time. And you're going to have to double check and inspect work. And like, you know, and if that person needs to be managed to that level, uh, one, it's a time suck for you. But it's also like your your reliability as a business, as a brand, as a company will always rely on middle managers, micromanaging people who don't share your values. Mm -hmm. That's a problem. Yeah. Um, We talk about uh, even just like being a leader versus a manager. I know it's something we've touched on in the past. Um, but when you're trying to build reliability in a team, what does that mean to you? Like what is leadership versus management in that scenario? Uh, what, what does that, what does that look like? A, a good process for verifying things is super important where everybody knows that they don't, they're not the one checking items off the list. Um, some good task management tools for that sometimes where you're just saying, okay, I'm not going to assume anything's done. I'm going to expect and then verify, um, mm-hmm it's a big, it's a big deal. And when yeah. people get that level of accountability and understanding of saying that's not right, I had to get to the point where I made those call outs being like that cock joint isn't right. That tile joint isn't right. And I don't like calling things out, but somebody had to do it. Yeah. And, uh, and so if it's not you, it's somebody else on your team of just be holding the line of what the expectation is a job site. There's trash around cigarette butts, tra- you know, cans laying around lunch from yesterday on the floor. It's unacceptable. And in a very kind, professional way of saying here, and here's comes back to, did you define it ahead of time? Right. 
So if you have the core values of your company saying we don't leave trash around, daily cleanup, mm -hmm. et cetera, these are the things we do and things aren't met to that degree, you call it out real quick. Hey, listen, that's not in line with what we are as a company. Yeah. And so and then when it is conversely, when things are being maintained, when things are going the way you want them to go and you do have a you know team members that keep that going, reward that, praise yeah. that, yeah. And build more of that because there's nothing worse than somebody's really trying, somebody's putting in the effort and you don't see it or appreciate yeah. it. I've been that guy too. Yeah. You'll get what you, what you celebrate, yeah. you know, um, and you know, you'll also get what you tolerate. Yeah. Um, and so if you're tolerating things that you shouldn't be, you're, you're reinforcing it, you know? Yep. Um, and I think that's, uh, you know, and you have to inspect what you expect and like all those things. But again, when you set clear expectations up front for your crew and your team on what you expect and what, what does it mean to be reliable? Yeah. Then when the when the standards are missed, it's not in my opinion versus yours yeah. on how we define this. Yeah. It's like no, let's go back to the, let's check the tape. Right in the very beginning of our journey, this is our company values. This is who we say that we are. So instead of me coming at you, uh, I'm saying, hey, you, me and you, let's look at the expectations together, yeah. and I'm going to call out, hey, where where did, where did you miss the mark here? And as contractors, we don't always write things out, but this is one thing that could be, you know, this is something you do want to write out particularly with subcontracts. I remember one time we were working on a high-end kitchen, $50,000 just for the cabinetry in this kitchen. So for me, that was, this is a high-end kitchen. Yeah. Um, you know, several hundred thousand dollars of stuff, you know, in this kitchen. And my electrician, great guy. His hammer swinging, pouches, you know, flying through the kitchen and there's cabinetry all around him and granite and tile and, you know. But that expectation of being like, man, you are... The tool belt's off. The hammer's not swinging. You're you're trimming you're trimming out at that point. The job is done. He's mm -hmm. just finishing putting plates on and things like that. We you know, even making sure that's defined for him. If I'm not there and that cabin is scratched, mm -hmm. God forbid, and some you know, his hammer right rakes a, a line through one of those cabinets. Yeah, yeah. So it you know that's another expectation to define with a subcontractor. Right. So the reliability aspect of a team is not just about showing up but reliably performing mm -hmm. towards your in line with the expectations you have yeah. of them. Yeah. Make sure at the end of the day, every job that you do is one you're proud of yeah. and you're willing to put your name on and be like, that's my work. You know? And boy, does that travel. Yeah. You know, when people are talking to the friends. Yeah. Yeah. And that's when, yeah, business comes in. That's when you're able to increase, you know, yeah. scope margins, all those things, because yeah, your name's going before. There's you. a reason why you go to Chick-fil-A and everybody's polite. There's restaurants like that yeah. where you have a very consistent experience. It's not just that everyone just decided to say, hey, right. you know, whatever, you know, I don't forget what they say. My pleasure. <laughs> my yeah. pleasure. Yeah, yeah. Right. Or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. And it's not because they just read the same training manual and new hire orientation. Oh, you're supposed to say my pleasure every time. Got it. Like, nope. It's reinforced. Yeah. Training over and over, over and over, over again. But yep. it creates a consistent experience yep. that people expect. Yeah. You know, that brand travels beyond the person. We've got a car wash place in town recently. i as a business owner, I observe certain things <laughs> that I, well, wow, that would have been a good idea. You drive up there, they wave at you. And I thought, that's not the consistency of it. Everybody does. Yeah. you They're going to wave, smile at you. Yeah. That's trained. Yeah. Um, as a business owner, sometimes I wanted to discount mm -hmm. How much I was involved in that process. It reflected on my poor training. Yeah. If somebody wasn't doing what we needed to do. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's even, you know, I think back to, I led a team that was not in the construction space, but for my leadership team, you know, we had an expectation that if you passed somebody in the hallway, you said hi. And if you knew their name, you said it. Mm -hmm. 
And that was just an expectation that yep. has to happen every single time. And it was a simple thing of making sure your employees know your leaders see you and know you and care about you, you know, wow. and it's a little, wow. it's a simple thing. Yeah. But when someone knows your name that you don't expect it, you ever had that with someone oh, yeah. remembers your name and like, you don't remember theirs. And it's like, Hey, <laughs> you, and it's like, dang it. Like you, it, 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 people feel important when yeah. you know their name and it's simple things, you know, that's, you know, where, but you create expectations and you reinforce and reward regularly and you model it, you yeah. model it yourself, you know? That's great. All right, let's keep moving. Uh, so we're talking about four key traits of a successful, successful contractor, one communication, two set up an organization, three, a reliable team. And then four is expect the unexpected, um, <laughs> which is a challenging thing. Um, but you know, when you say expect the unexpected, um, uh, there's a lot that in this business, nothing goes to plan uh, the way you think it will. And so uh, how do you prepare that? How do you expect the unexpected? Yeah. Understanding from experience, what has worked well, where are the, where are the points where things typically go wrong? Where are the points for us on remodels? It was at the punch list part of a job where it was very hard to plan how long that would take. Exactly. We were as motivated as anybody to get off there. Nobody's paying you to go diddle around and finish up a punch list. Yeah. But at the same time, defining the parameters of that, getting out, get, you know, getting in, getting out and uh, getting something done wasn't always as easy as we wanted it to be. Uh, the other aspect that we've struggled with over the years, too, is just all the logistical aspects of getting materials on mm -hmm. time and working around subcontractors. And, yeah. uh, you know, you have to really learn to start, you know, there's a lot of things outside of our control. So we've talked about even earlier defining with clients, mm -hmm. vendors, et cetera. These are the things outside of our control. And then really, um, to your point, Drew, earlier about just that ver that written, written communication where you recap the expectation subcontractor saying, hey, uh, as we talked about, this is what my commitment is to you to have things ready for you by Thursday. Uh, if you can get there Tuesday as you committed to, you recap that. And then another touch point before that. So that's part of just keeping things going, not really, you know, sort of managing those unexpected, potential unexpected scenarios. Yeah. Um, and then uh, I think knowing your business, knowing your limitations. Um, the, the, the other thing about it is really the leaving margin for, for things not to go the way you want them to go. Um, the way that worked in my business, um, I started using a scheduling app, you know, you can use Google calendar, you can use something else. And you start just putting dates on there when things are supposed to happen. They were always off, like it frustratingly off. Uh, yeah, we'll, you know, be setting granite and, and you're, I'm planning things months off. It's not like next week. We could right. get next week. Right. Yeah. But three months from now, we had no idea where we're going to be. Yeah. I mean, we know we should be, but being off by two weeks is a lot. Yeah. So, and then you got five different jobs all scheduled around each other and then you're moving things along two weeks and it just became a calendar, you know, a, the whole calendar process was a nightmare. Yeah. So what we did was created two different timelines. One was the one for the customer. The other was our internal yeah. timeline. Smart. And we had to learn what our lag needed to be. Some projects, that was a month of just more or less buffer. Mm -hmm. We're saying, we're going to be there this date doing this, you know, or maybe not a specific date, but a window. Yeah. Windows are much better than, you know, hard fixed times. But this is what we're going to be doing about this period of time. Leave yourself plenty of buffer on some of these bigger jobs to get things done. And sometimes it might even be longer than that. Um, and, and obviously it wasn't a commitment. This is where we expect to be at that time. And here mm -hmm. are the things that are outside of our control. And so when something, even with buffer, if something was off, 
you know, you were still yeah. prepared for that scenario. But it helped internally to have the the driver calendar where you're saying, I yeah, really, in our business objective really would be best served by getting done with this job Friday. But to our customer, if we're done two weeks from Friday from an expectation standpoint, right? and we're done next Wednesday. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Get early. Good yeah. job. Well it's, done. Not, yeah. You're not two days late. You're a week and a half early. Mm -hmm. It's under promise over deliver, yeah. which is underestimated. You know, I think we've talked about in the past too. Yeah, we have. The, the one where you're just like, well, I want to give them the best case scenario because that sounds good. It feels good. It yeah. makes them smile. Why, why do we do that? I mean, it's, yeah. it's such a stupid thing that we do sometimes. And I did it for years and years of like, yes, we are incredible. We're amazing. All of our guys are so gifted. They're always, you know, I mean, <laughs> it's like, why? Yeah. I mean, the expectation, we can't even live up to it. Yeah. I think it's, you want that cheap affirmation, right? Yeah. Oh, wow. They're great. Like in that moment, yeah. you felt good saying it. And yeah. like that feel good is like what you're, what you're going but for. But it sucks later. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and I think that's why people end up procrastinating or they don't answer the phone call because they don't want the negative feeling that comes along with that. Yeah. But it's like, it all started. You know, Deal with a head on. Yeah. You know, I mean, just yeah. learn and from it. So if you really want to feel good, you know, then yeah, under promise over deliver. And I think that two calendar thing is smart. Yeah. Like, hey, like, here's what we think we can do. We're going to try hard to hit this, yeah. but setting an expectation where, you know, again, that customer is surprised and they're happy and delighted every time because it's like, wow, you delivered ahead of schedule. And it's a process. In my business, we went from being consistently late to being on time by just starting to dig into it, really hit it hard and be like, okay, where are we late? Even personally, for me, it came down to, okay, what commitments am I keeping? Which ones am I, which one am I missing out on? Uh, which ones am I failing on? Yeah. And then really analyzing, okay, how much buffer do I need? Is it an hour? Is it two hours? Is it a day? Is it a week? Yeah. And you start learning and saying, okay, in my business, where we're at now, we need a two week buffer. Yeah. We need a month buffer. We need two days buffer. And yeah. in the service industry, you need two hour buffer. Yeah. Um, what does that look like? And you, what promises can you keep? And there's some things that are, that you cannot speed up. You know, yeah. there, there's some things like that, no matter how worked up you get about something, you cannot make it happen faster. So um, true. And it might be delivery timelines, might be things like that that are out of your control. I was listening to somebody, they were talking about a farmer recently and they were like, yeah, if you work with corn, you work at the speed of corn. Hmm. <laughs> and it was just like profound, simple statement. I was like, huh? Yeah. You know, <laughs> uh, but he's like, you know, a good farmer is more concerned with the soil and the product and like that you, you work on that cycle and no amount of urgency or follow-ups going to make it go faster. And I think knowing what is it, what is real time when I'm actually working with, what are my realities? Not my dream scenarios, not my best case scenarios, but what are the realities of my situation? And then uh, build timelines in there. So if you are that person who tends to overpromise, mm -hmm. um, you probably are a, a glass half full type of person yep. in life, yep. which is a good quality, yep. you know, um, but that's where you can get overly optimistic and start writing, writing checks you can't cash, you know. Um, this is something we we see in other people where we talk, we more or less kind of hold other people to our ideals and hold ourselves to more or less reality where mm -hmm. it is, you know, just this is what things should be. Yeah. And we all know what should be or what yeah. could be, right. but what today is yeah, might be radically different. Yeah. And what, what today is, is where we're at. Yep. And what are my actual capabilities, my actual limitations yeah. and deal within those. Yeah. Um, that is our, know. that is our paradigm where yep. we're in right now. Doesn't yeah. mean we're stuck there. Doesn't mean we don't work harder to get out of it right. and improve it. Yeah. 
I like it. So number four, expect the unexpected. All right. We're probably uh, running on time here. So some final thoughts. Um, you know, there's a lot more. We started up front saying there's way more than four things it takes to be a great contractor. Um, but these are four key things that, you know, we we thought of. Um, and uh, obviously there's more, um, you know, if you've got feedback for us, uh, obviously, you know, let us know. You know, if you've got actually, if you're enjoying the podcast, we'll, we'll jump here real quick. But if you're enjoying it, love to uh, get your feedback, ratings, wherever you're listening to us at. If you've got feedback, something you'd like to hear more about yeah. or just feedback in general, uh, all the ears, you can just email us at podcast at congenius.com. That comes straight to us. So um, if you got feedback, something you want us to talk about, uh, you know, love to send it in or things you think we missed, you know, we're all ears. Certainly uh, there's a lot we can share on this, but uh, yeah. there's, you know, wisdom and multitude of perspectives. So love to hear it again. That's podcast at congenius.com. Uh, uh, if you are listening to this and you're liking what you're getting, uh, we'd love to get some uh, five-star reviews, re- uh, reviews online as well, wherever you're getting this. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Helps the podcast, <laughs> helps the channel. So, but we are generally interested in your feedback too. Yeah. Just, you know, how do we add value? That's what we're trying to do here. So, and I think really when you touch on these four points, people look at you as being a successful builder, contractor, remodeler, trade professional. And uh, there's a lot more you touched on mm-hmm. the financial side of a business, the back office side of, side of a business, but these are sort of the more public facing aspects of being a successful business. Yeah. yeah. You running your communication well, you're able to really set up, organize projects. You have a great team. Um, people are going to really re- start respecting what you're doing. And then you're managing those unexpected situations. You're prepared for them suddenly. Yeah. Um, your vendors, the respect you have from vendors, subcontractors, and your clients is really incredible. Yeah. So we all keep pushing for that. Yeah. Well said. All right. That's a wrap uh, for this edition of the Contractor Commute um, on four key points to being a great contractor. Uh, We will catch you guys again in two weeks. Thanks, Drew.